Welcome to the Speak Up Talk Radio Network. I am your hostess, Pat Rulo. We bring you hand-selected hosts, podcasts, and talk radio programming with listening options, 24-7 streaming or listen on demand. We also feature one-on-one segments with important guests, people who have something to say that you need to hear. And if you have something to say and would like to be featured on the network, please visit speakuptalkradio.com for all of the details or contact us at pr at speakuptalkradio.com. Well, today's author hails from the UK. She is Dr. Audrey Tang. Audrey is a chartered psychologist and the author of Be a Great Manager Now. She is a CPD accredited speaker, trainer, and qualified FIRO B and NLP practitioner. She is the founding development coach and training consultant with her training consultancy, Click Training, and the resident psychologist on the Chrissy B Show, Sky 203. She often presents at national and international conferences and is a part of the Amity University Conference panel. Her doctorate is from Brunel University Business School, focusing on the training and emotional support of customer-facing professionals. During her research, she lectured on Brunel's business under management and management courses and subsequently trained as a coach with the NHS. Prior to training and coaching, she was a secondary school drama teacher and head of psychology, later progressing to program manager for vocational qualifications in supporting teaching and learning and childcare, learning and development with further education. She is still involved with the arts, though her community theater group, Click Arts, Lots more to know, and you should check out her website, DrAudreyT.com. And I know we are in for a treat, so welcome to the network, Audrey. Thank you so much, Pat. It's an absolute pleasure to be chatting with you. Oh, thank you. Pleasure to be chatting with you as well. And I know that personally, I'm going to learn quite a lot. So there you go. I hope so. That's setting the bar high. (laughs) (laughs) Your website, Audrey, it says specialist in interpersonal skills training, soft skills, hard results. I love that soft skills, hard results. Now, I do most of my work in the patient safety world, and for sure, I've known that physicians and hospital staff need those soft skills, those interpersonal skills, especially with patients. So how can you help with that? Is it really something a person can learn? Yes, it is definitely something someone can learn, although some people will be more naturally better at it than others. It's sometimes just about putting you into a situation and seeing how you would best respond. If it's completely inappropriate, that's the time to offer advice and offer support, offer alternative suggestions. But it may be as simple as if you're trying to support somebody who's crying, maybe just making your voice lower and slower could be enough if sympathy isn't your natural go-to response. So it can always be learned, and it, but it needs to be learned on your terms. Otherwise, it can turn into that horrible feeling of, oh, they're just performing a script for me or, oh, they've been told to do it in that way. And so it's got to be authentic. You can always tell when it's not authentic. It's why I'm such a firm advocate of immersive training because when it comes to things like skills practice, it's so important to allow you to explore your range of responses. So what I do is I work with an actor to develop a situation that someone wants to work on and we allow you to respond and then we reflect on that response together. Sometimes we can offer video support if we've been given the permission to to video you and record you. And in that safe environment, you can practice your skills, you can practice different things, but most importantly, it helps build confidence in yourself because you've had the chance to try something out in a safe environment where no one's judging you 
um, in, in that sort of way. You're, you're getting feedback, you're getting reflection, but it's not a judgment per se. Um, and so it's a little bit like actors rehearsing, and then when you go out into the world, you, there's a little memory that stirs, and you sort of think, oh, I have dealt with something like this before, what did I do? But the most important thing to remember is that as a trainer, you have to be so careful that it doesn't turn into some sort of awful drama class. Mm-hmm. Um, too often I hear these horror stories of um, trainers going and saying, oh, we're going to do some role play now. But in my case, I always have actors to play the patient, to play the customer, to play the staff member, the client. And the delegates, well, you, you just play yourself. And the skills practice is then done in a forum theatre style of teaching. So the delegate can ask for suggestions from the floor and put them into play and see what happens. Um, and that usually happens, That the role-placed forum theatre side of things only happens after I've taught the theory and given some suggestions. So it's definitely possible to learn. And with the right teacher, you can get all that learning feeling a lot more authentic and a lot more real. Mm-hmm. As you're saying that, I'm also imagining that the person who is supposed to be learning would have that willingness to learn to say, yes, I want to understand this. I mean, so often they do that training and the people have to show up to the training and not willing to even be there or to think there's nothing wrong with the way I react. So I think it really needs to start with that person from within. Is that correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I do agree with that. It is why sometimes video recording can actually be very beneficial mm-hmm. because when somebody is absolutely adamant, I'm not doing anything wrong, it's um, other people's interpretation, having that opportunity to see it reflected back at them on that video makes a huge difference. And again, it's about the trainer, the teacher being supportive in their guided reflections, not telling them you did that wrong um, do this differently. It's not about saying to somebody, you have to change, but it's about getting them to understand that the more flexible you can be, the more options of response you have, the more influence you're going to have over a situation anyway. Mm-hmm. What an interesting and delicate dance between two people because you've got the one, you know, one person behaves and acts in one way and the other, and maybe in a completely opposite way. And, and so you've got to approach, I would imagine, a situation and look at that other person and maybe try to assess how they're going to react or what kind of a personality style they have and, and, and then maybe adapt yours to it. That's absolutely right. Um, and also you... You can be thrown off course by past experience. It's sometimes you might think, well, I've dealt with this situation before. That's what happened. That's what I did. Mm-hmm. I'll just do it again. Mm-hmm. And unless you're constantly aware and constantly readjusting, the, what worked one time may not work in a different scenario. So you need to be aware that sometimes um, your past skills may just need to be a little bit adaptive and a little bit um, changeable. And also, it's important to kind of always observe, always take the trouble to try and find out what's wrong as well. That's one of the techniques that we teach. It's not just presuming someone said something to you, oh, that's it, I know how to respond to that, but actually asking questions, saying to somebody, have I got this right? Is this what you're asking me? Mm-hmm. Getting them to be a little bit more specific. And also that keeps the dialogue going. But you're absolutely right. It's such a delicate dance. Mm-hmm. And it's so important to not only have somebody who's willing to appreciate the importance of flexibility, but also somebody who, a teacher, a support, a psychologist or a trainer who is able to guide that person in a way that they don't feel threatened because it's very delicate for the for the person doing the work mm-hmm. as well as the repercussions in the real world 
when that person is then performing in real life. Right, right. No, I get that. What a f- very fluid, uh, fluid situation then. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, now your book, Be a Great Manager, as I was thinking about it, I thought, wow, this can really apply to any situation, not just business, because we're all managing something in our lives, whether it's work, home, family. So how can yep. your book help us to become better managers of whatever it is we are managing? <laughs> Well, what we need to recognize is that whilst our home life and our work life may differ, we're still largely the same person in both. You may swim a bit more in private. You may not worry so much about your appearance. You might be a bit more natural, but that doesn't suddenly mean that you become a totally different person at home or in the workplace. You may just be a little bit more professional in the workplace. You may just be a little bit more relaxed at home. So as such, The tips are very transferable. What works in the workplace may well help at home. Um, As an example, there's a whole chapter on delegation because this is a skill that everyone needs to know, but in the workplace certainly, but people don't always realize it is a skill. But taking delegation, the same thing can apply at home. So, for example, you've asked your partner to do something. One of the things I teach um, to business delegates, well, make sure it's a job that they ought to be doing. It's not a job that you ought to be doing yourself. So you probably wouldn't be right in asking your partner to choose a gift for your mother because you know your mother a lot better than they do. So the next thing is make sure they have the tools to do whatever it is you've asked them and then let them do it. Otherwise, all you're doing is you're micromanaging them. It's known as nagging. (laughs) And they then stop wanting to do anything for you because they're just thinking, well, he or she will just criticize me. I'll try and do it, but because it's not exactly to what their mind that is what they're thinking of, um, I don't want to do it, so I'll just ask, or I won't take the initiative at all. And that leads to further problems at home where you, you stop doing things for each other altogether. Mm-hmm. So some of the things that we need to realize is if someone hasn't done exactly what we were thinking, maybe reflect first on whether we were clear enough in the first instance. Right, right. That's very interesting. I never really thought about how delegation is a skill. It is. It's um, a number of processes that you need to go through. And of course, the more you go through them, the more automatic it becomes. But it is knowing things like, is this something I can delegate? Is this something I really can give to somebody else to do? Um, or is, is the workplace, does it involve private information? Is it praise? Is it reprimanding? Is it those things? Then secondly, have they got the ability to do it? If you've chosen the wrong person, so you feel you always have to look over their shoulder, well, that was your choice of that person. So you must have a reason for choosing that particular person to do that particular job. And then, as I say, let them go get on with it, let them do it, allow them to check back with you if they want to ask you questions and have that opportunity open. But otherwise, you're just staring over their shoulder the whole time, and that's not empowering. Mm -hmm. The best thing about delegation is it can actually be a chance for somebody else to prove themselves, Mm -hmm. to prove they're worthy of your trust, to prove that they can do something uh, maybe a little bit out of their remit. But you do need to be specific. So just as an example, um, if I were to say to you, bake me a cake, what what cake might you choose to bake me? What what might you want to bake me? I would bake you a chocolate cake with chocolate frosting. Lovely. That sounds gorgeous, actually. <laughs> um, it's probably something that you like or something you can do. Yes. But if I specifically wanted a Victoria sponge cake and I didn't ask for it, then actually it's my problem that I wasn't more specific. If I want a Victoria sponge cake, I need to ask for it directly. And then we can negotiate as to whether you feel it's 
easier for you to make the the chocolate cake with chocolate frosting. Uh, but it's a it's a very different way of approaching that question, and that's quite important for people to to realise. Oh, I love that, and you wouldn't want me to make you a Victoria sponge cake because I don't think I know how to do that. So there you go. <laughs> that would be the negotiation. There you go. <laughs> I love this. So there's a chapter in your book on delegation. I think it's a very hard thing for people to do. So um, yeah, yeah, that's that's included in your book as well. Now, you also talk about something that is very fascinating to me. You draw from a number of immersive techniques, applied theater escape rooms, which sounds very interesting, aerobics and even stage combat. So share a bit about that. Of course. Um, well, I've talked about my use of actors earlier for skills practice, but immersive techniques go way beyond role play. Um, we'll start with escape rooms. Have you ever done an escape room? It's where you're locked in a room for an hour and then you have to solve clues and get out of the room? No, I have not. They are all over the place, so I'm sure if you just Google escape room, you will find one nearby. Um, they are a lot of fun. It's an uncontrollable and unpredictable environment, and most escape rooms have a story that goes around it. Maybe you're kidnapped, or maybe you're trying to solve a scientist problem or something like that. Anyway, you're locked in for 60 minutes, and you have to work together as a team in order to solve these puzzles. Some of the puzzles might be that someone has to call something out to you from another part of the room and then you have to Im- input that data in order to get um, the password or something like that. But it's so much fun that you forget you're being watched. But because the way they're set up, the games master has to manage the game through CCTV, which means that the trainer or the psychologist or the person reviewing the team can sit and watch that team perform and then offer a reflection, which allows them to look at their behaviors. So I did this with a team um, once. This one, this young lady sticks in my mind. She got really caught up on trying to pick a lock and effectively took herself out of the game because she got caught up with this within about 10 minutes into the game. And then the rest of the team were carrying on, but she was still there focused on this lock thinking, I must be able to do this. And then because at that point we'd had the permission to video them and I was able to show that back to her, I said to her, how does that play out in your workplace? And looking at herself, she realized that this is what she tended to do at work. She, she'd often get so focused on the details of creating an invitation, the font, the, the colors, the paper, all of those things that sometimes she'd forget to look at the big picture and forget to send them out. She'd have to be reminded. <laughs> so getting her to look at that made her actually think, oh, my goodness, that is a behavior that I do naturally. I get very caught up in something, and that takes away all my focus. When in the workplace, if I'm a little bit more aware of that, I might have a broader view of my performance. And so that's how that can work for team practice. Another great thing about teams is because the puzzles cater for different skills, you don't necessarily get the same person who went in leading, leading when you come out, because Mm -hmm. the skills um, asked of the team are slightly different for each puzzle. You may get the shyer people who people hadn't recognized before suddenly stepping forward and saying, I know how to do this. And they're recognized as well. So that can really help with team bonding. Um, And they're brilliant for recruitment because you can't practice for them. So it's very easy to write on your CV, I'm a brilliant communicator. And you can be trained to answer those interview questions clearly and effectively for the 20 minutes of that interview. But that escape room will probably make you prove it in that you can see who the natural leader is. You can see if someone's going to throw their weight about. You can see if the good communicator really does communicate clearly enough. So escape rooms can be useful in that particular way. 
Um, moving on to the aerobics that I teach, um, I teach leadership aerobics. It's a fun thing because my first teaching qualification was as a fitness instructor. And so um, what, how, the way I use it to teach leadership, if I can say to you, well, you need to get the lie of the land, get to know your team, uh, get to know how they function before you make changes, and that's the best way that you can make that change accepted and most successful. Or I can throw you into an aerobics class and ask you to have a go at leading that team or that group, and you'll find that out for yourself. Because if you don't take a moment to sort of march on the spot or get in tune with the music, get in time with the rest of the class, notice how they're responding, they will find it hard to follow you. So by doing it, that's when you can sit there and reflect on, oh my goodness, I can't please everyone. Some people will actually prefer some, a different style of teaching to somebody else. Or if I start calling move to the left, and actually I mean move to the audience, the, the class's right, then people get confused. So that's another way of actually just getting people to do it and then think about it. And then I use staged combat because it's there to just teach people to work together. It reminds you that sometimes your team can also be your client, your customer. You have to trust each other. You have to know your part of that job and you have to do it well because otherwise with stage combat, you can have an accident. So we're very, very careful and very slow with that. Um, but it's so important to communicate with that other person. So for example, if you're going to go into a move and you're not ready for it, you must communicate with them. You need to blink. You need to nod. You need to give that symbol to show that you're not ready. So all of those ways um, help me work a little bit more like a health professional. So with a doctor, you, your diagnosis is only as good as how you've been able to describe your symptoms or how good the doctor might be at, at interpreting them. But if you're actually there and the doctor can see exactly what's wrong with you, the diagnosis is going to be better. So it's the same thing. By making you actually do those things, work together as a team or teach aerobics, lead a class, um, engage in stage combat as, as a partnership, I can actually see where the issues are and then I can point those things out and we can reflect on something and make, it makes it all a lot more meaningful um, and you'll be able to take a lot more from that particular training. Oh my gosh, I love you. I just love your energy and everything you're saying is so fascinating. I could just follow you around. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. That's so kind. Energy is contagious though, so that's got to be back at you too. <laughs> oh my gosh, you were just mentioning doctors. You could just spend the rest of your life in hospitals because they need this kind of training so desperately to, to work together and to recognize each other and it's just yeah it's just endless isn't it 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 really is and there's no end to the things that you can uncover when you're getting people involved in the actual act of doing something right. but because i'm using actors or because i'm using a slightly heightened reality situation like aerobics or stage combat there's no real danger of putting any patient in danger right. or any, putting any client in danger mm -hmm. so that's what makes it a nice safe environment and a chance for you to to be able to respond and so, yeah, it's, it's great for doctors. It's great, well, it's great for anyone who's customer-facing, sure. anyone who's, who works with people face-to-face -face who's, who's there, dealing with the emotions of people, containing the emotions that are going on, dealing with so much stress as well. That's really important. Mm -hmm. Plus, it removes them from their comfort zone. They're out of the office, and they're doing something completely different where they probably will let down their guard and let themselves kind of react as they as they normally would and I would imagine then you as the trainer can really get a clearer vision of who and what they are all about. 
Absolutely. Mm-hmm. What's really nice, this is why I use escape rooms so much, and now I, I notice that a lot of escape rooms are saying it's a great team-building experience, but I think it's so important to have that trainer on hand there to actually give you feedback, because Games Faster isn't usually trained to give feedback. They're, ga- they're trained to master the game to get you through, to give you hints. Mm-hmm. But it's that feedback when you're there as a team that somebody can pull out and say, why did that happen? Did you notice how you responded? There was one wonderful manager that I, I had the pleasure to work with. And one of the things he was doing was he was coordinating all the team's findings. And one of the team members came up to him and said, oh, I've got the answer to this puzzle. And he said, great, write it down on the board. And they said to him, oh, do you not want to know how I did it? He said, no, I trust you completely. And it was so wonderful to see that, to see that praise, to see that support and that belief in that team. So you can see some amazing behaviours. You can see some dodgy ones as well. You can really see some great things. I'm sure you see all kinds of things. There was one where we hid some sweets in, in one of the rooms and two people of the team found the sweets. And because it was in a separate room, they ate all the sweets and didn't tell anybody they found them. (laughs) You really get some funny things going on. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) How embarrassing for them, right? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Now, I want to move on to another idea. You talk about the idea of emotional agility. And I, maybe we kind of touched on that before when we were talking about how your response would not be the same in every situation. But let's talk a little deeper about emotional agility. I love those words together. Yes. The emotional agility is the breadth of emotional skills that you can display. It's not the number of skills necessarily, but it's the ease at which you can move between all of those skills that you have. Teachers and parents are already naturally quite good at this because they can be very good at telling off one child and then suddenly turning to the other who isn't in trouble and being incredibly nice to Mm -hmm. them and soft-spoken to them. So a lot of my work is focused on making that flexibility and adaptability stronger by not only adding to your behavior, your, your repertoire of behavioral choices, but helping you move between them, helping you recognize what might be needed and how easy it is to change tack when you've realized one thing isn't working. But with that, it's really important to say to people that you don't have to change because there are so many people who will say, I'm just me, just deal with that. But all I would say is, Absolutely, you've got this far without my help, so there's no need. I'm not forcing you to to take on anything that I say, but you may be limiting your options to people who are willing to do the dealing with it. The more variety you have, the more influence you have, and it isn't that you're losing yourself. You are using yourself. You are using your ability to adapt and be flexible to get the results that you want in a range of situations with a variety of different people. Oh, that's a brilliant response because, yes, instead of saying you have to change, if you add some more tools to your toolkit here, you will be attracting more people to work with. So I, I like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm, I love that. <laughs> You're a pure genius here. <laughs> Let's talk about your new book, which focuses on applied mindfulness for the busy executive, and that's coming out soon. Mindfulness is a word that people really are using these days, and I'm not sure that they're really mindful of what the word means. Let's just talk about yeah. applied mindfulness. Yes, let's do that. <laughs> um, it's, it's coming out by... Uh, 
published by Pearson Educational next spring, so around May um, 2019. But mindfulness, you're absolutely right, it's become so mainstream that people don't really know what it means and they're very sceptical. They, they will sit there and go, oh, it's just deep breathing and a bit of yoga and a bit of meditation. But the book actually looks at how mindfulness came to be popular in the business world but really thinks about the fact that it makes you more aware of yourself, it makes you more compassionate and aware of other people and your effect on the world. Um, and also, it allows you to do that by calming your mind. So those are the three key premises of mindfulness that I'm using. But what I do is I use techniques that you can apply to your performance. So whether it is just a case of giving yourself a little bit of headspace or whether it is using mindfulness to improve creativity or decision-making, it's a much more practical guide. Uh, just as an example of this, if I were to say to people, you need to observe the room for the next 30 minutes, just observe the whole room, and then I'll ask them, oh, sorry, 30 seconds, and after those 30 seconds, um, did you have a good, can you tell me exactly what this room is all about? Everyone will say, oh, yes, yes, I know. And then you ask them questions such as, well, did you actually look up or down or under? Did you think about smells, sounds, <laughs> tastes? feelings, atmosphere, all of those extra things. Mindfulness can be as simple as someone just telling you, remember to do that. Be a little bit more aware of that. The way I see it, you can let the academics argue about what the term means, whether there's really brain involvement, neuroplasticity involved. But if something works for you, then use it. All righty, and we will learn more about that in the spring of 2019 with your new yes. book. Yes, I'm excited about that. You are such a busy person. Now you also do charity theater work, and you've got a television show. Talk briefly about your theater work, because that sounds very interesting to uh, share. Well, I was trained as a drama teacher, and I've always enjoyed performing. You can catch me in Spectre, actually, in the James Bond Spectre. Um, I'm in the Nine Eyes meeting scene. I'm the female delegate of the Chinese delegation. Oh, my. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> I've always enjoyed performing, and so I run a little community theatre group. And I've done it, it's really started as a form of expression and well-being for myself and my friends. Um, but over the last 20 years, we've been you know, producing shows, musicals, taking them to the Edinburgh Festival uh, sometimes as well. But each of them supports a local or a national charity. We used to perform somewhere in Milton Keynes where the theatre was hired out to groups like ourselves. But it was run by people who lived on a residential community. So it meant that... Um, people with autism, Down syndrome, whoever was in that community would help behind the bar, they'd help with car parking and so on, and that was absolutely wonderful. Um, but I used my theatre a lot to, uh, to raise awareness. So recently I revived the Patrick Hamilton play Gaslight, which is where the term for psychological bullying, gaslighting, originated. Mm -hmm. And I did that in support of MIND. So that was a nice way to get people talking, and I got a number of emails saying, thank you, thank you for talking about this particular topic. Um, next year, we're producing the Dolly Parton and Patricia Resnick musical of the hit film Nine to Five, where we'll get to look at the topics of equal pay, yep. sexual harassment in the workplace. But of course, it takes a very lighthearted tone. Um, it's got a phenomenal score, but the main thing is we get people talking, and we're doing that in support of the, the guides. So... It's a, it's a really nice way to get involved with the local community, raise awareness of, the, of charities, and also just get together with people and express yourself in a way that maybe you don't get the chance to do in your day-to-day -day life. Wow, what a, what a woman you are. I love all of this work that you're doing in TV. The Chrissy B Show is the UK's only program dedicated to mental health and well-being. So you're a part of that as well. I'm 
so happy to be part of that show. It is one of the warmest, most uplifting shows on Sky. It's absolutely lovely. Chrissy herself overcame depression. Um, and so then the start of the show, so she talks to real-life guests who have been going through various different um, disorders, illnesses, mental health issues. And the show is full of little well-being tips and signposts to get help and get talking. The main thing is we just don't talk about mental health enough. Um, there's still that stigma surrounding mental illness. And the great thing about the show is not only does it challenge that by actually making people talk, but also it looks at going beyond mental illness going beyond normal so once you're better it's about thriving after normality so it's not just about oh we need to get to normality we actually need to live and manage our lives and begin to thrive beyond it so it's such a positive show and it's, it's an absolute delight i'm the resident psychologist and so yep you can catch me on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays if you have Sky. <laughs> Yay! Share with us, since we're talking about this, where we could find out more about you, purchase your books, find out all the wonderful things that you are doing. Um, you can go onto my website, which is www.draudreyt.com. Um, a lot of my information is, is all on there, and you've also got links to the Chrissy B Show, um, the, the, my segments on that, but you can also go onto YouTube for the Chrissy B Show and, and check out the mental health topics there. Um, you can also tweet to me on at Dr. Audrey T, and my Instagram handle is also at Dr. Audrey T. Um, and my book is available on Amazon. So that's it. It's Amazon UK at the moment, but I think it can be downloaded. So I'm not entirely sure. Um, I think some people in the States have been able to get it. But if you've got any problems, um, drop me an email on Audrey at clickproductions.co.uk and I'll see what I can do. Um, so those are the best ways to, to get in touch with me. Okay. All right. The website, draudreyt.com. It's D-R-A-U-D-R-E-Y-T. Dot com, DrAudreyT.com. Yeah. Well, I could spend the rest of the afternoon with you, but we will begin to wrap up. Is there anything we missed that you wanted to bring up today? Um, no, I think that's, that's the main thing. I think my key message, and this is why I love the idea of Speak Up Radio, it's so empowering, I think mm -hmm. it's absolutely brilliant, is it is just so important that in this world of technology, which is brilliant in terms of getting things done, there is still nothing better than when you just connect with someone. And um, it's, it, it's really, that's where my, the name of my training obviously click comes from. It's when you click with somebody, when you, when you connect, it's absolutely wonderful because I'm quite old school. And so many people say, oh, there's no room for face-to-face -face anymore. But there really is room for making those real-life connections. And when you do click, when you do connect with someone, there's just nothing like it. It's absolutely brilliant. So it's just one of those things where it's a great message that you're putting out there and it's such a pleasure to support you and support your charities as well it's been a real pleasure to chat with you pat thank you oh thank you so much i definitely clicked with you i appreciate that we'll have to do this again sometime because you were just a fireball so much energy and so much to share i want to bring you back on sometime again so it's drauditt.com audrey thank you again thank you so much it's been a real pleasure